We're walking here. Yeah, that's right. The New York Bodega Cats, the first team in the Hall of Fantasy League from New York, my hometown. That's what we're talking about today. I'm Jeff Eisenman. This is the HOFL podcast, and our guests today are the co-general managers of the New York Bodega Cats, Raf Rabe, Real Talk, Raf and Scott Angle, the king, two legends of the fantasy football space, running this first team from the five boroughs. We talked to them about everything, Hall of Fantasy League, and where their New York roots lie, and why they are the people to lead the Empire State's first National Fantasy Football League team. If you want to stake the New York Bodega Cats or any team in the HOFL, you should go to the thehofl.com today, tomorrow, whenever you want to do it. We got the draft coming up. These guys will be drafting Scott Angle and Raf Rabe. Enjoy. Well, this is very close to my heart because we've finally gotten to the point where we are in New York. The New York Bodega Cats are the first National Fantasy Football League team in the Hall of Fantasy League from New York City, or maybe the greater New York State. These guys, can they can dictate whatever they want with this. We've got from Rotoballer, we've got Raf Rabe and Scott Angle. Real talk, Raf and Scott. I'll say Scott the King. Scott, I know we were talking about Real Talk Ralph having having his whole Twitter name on the radio, but I got to give you props as well for what you got going. Well, you know, and thanks for having me. But uh, just to outline it first, I did not give myself the nickname, but, you know, it's it, it's kind of stuck from my original producer on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. But, you know, it, it's good to be here and represent uh, the New York Bodega Cats uh, in the inaugural season with my good friend Raph. Really looking forward to doing this with him. And uh, I think the Bodega Cats were excited, man. We're going to have scratch-off nights and everything. <laughs> yeah, Raph, uh, on your end, you know, this is uh, – there's a lot of weight being thrown around representing being – you know, New York has two NFL teams or New Jersey, whatever you want to say. Jersey, New I was going to say. <laughs> New York out here, um, you know, this is going to be a big time for this season. How do you guys – are you guys already feeling the pressure of the New York media? Are you already feeling the pressure of representing New York? It's always pressure-filled when you have to represent this magnificent city. But as Scotty the King Angle knows, we hold it down for not just New York City but for Rotoballer. And uh, we're just like a couple of – chubby bodega cats just hanging out on a pile of rice or you know over some cans in the back of the store uh we hope we hope for the best of outcomes but we're going to enjoy life either way well that's a good way to at least start the the outlook to start before the season that you'll enjoy it either way yeah we're going to be authentic we're not going to sell any lucy's but we're going to be authentic uh you know i'm from queens you know and uh you know he's got his his new york roots but i i don't think there's pressure you know i've I've been I've been with all the big teams on credentials, and I see what it's like on the other side. And you know, it's kind of like that movie. If you've ever seen the movie Love of the Game about baseball, it's just like clear the mechanism and just focus on the fantasy football team. Scott is legitimately the king of queens, so you know this is going to be uh, this makes a lot of sense with what's going on here from New York. Raf, what is your connection to New York that Scott just alluded to? 
Listen, he may be the king of Queens, but uh, I was in the gutter like a bodega cat growing up in Queens myself, actually. Me and Uncle Leo, Roto-Baller co-founders, uh, Flushing, Queens represent, Fresh Meadows, all those good areas. And of course, listen, we have a long history, traditional history of being affiliated here with the fantasy sports community. But I think this is the first time we're, we're stepping out on the new, representing New York stage. Uh, doing it at the same time. So I feel like there is a little extra added pressure, if I'm being completely honest, uh, unlike the Jets and the Giants who play in a toxic waste dump and call it New York, but it's really New Jersey. We actually want to represent the true inner city. Yes, the guts of New York City. Just remember that the Giants and Jets had an opportunity to leave the swamp and they decided to build a place right next door. Same place. We do realize our fan base in New York, as much as we're having fun joking around about this, you know, there are a lot of Jet and Giant fans. But what we want to do with the Bodega Cats is we want to bring the glory back to New York. We want to bring championship fantasy football to New York. Unfortunately, we hope for you guys, you know, it's not long. You Jet fans know it's been a long drought. It's been a full decade since the Giants have been back to the big game. You know, I'm a diehard Mets fan. It's been a long time. Uh, you know, did you get to see him win the last time, which was good. Uh, you know, it's been once in the century for the Yankees. You know, the Knicks, I love them. Hasn't been since 1973. We want to bring championship fantasy football to New York. Give you guys something to celebrate. Scott has Seahawks gear behind him. So maybe that's where the championship pedigree comes from. Uh, how, how maybe Scott, you may be being objective, not to the, you know, not have being partial to the giants or jets. How can that help you guys represent New York? I'm a Seahawks fan when I watch the NFL, but it never breaks into my NFL analysis. It never, it never breaks into my fantasy analysis. So you see, I'm a hat collector. I'll be wearing a different hat and I'm going to have it soon for you guys to see of the bodega cats. You know, it's my and it's, it's one of the first rules of fantasy football. You never let your allegiance creep into what you're going to do fantasy wise. So, of course, and Raph's not going to let me do that either. You know, I'm a New Yorker born and raised, you know, living here in Bayside, Queens, growing up in Flushing. So I even though I'm a <laughs> Seattle Seahawks fan, I have a I have a lot of New York pride. And to represent New York in this league is going to mean a lot for me. And I'm going to be doing this 100 percent for New York. Raf, you guys alluded a little bit to the the Roto Baller community. I imagine a lot of those stakers are going to come, you know, your fans out there who've been following you guys for a while. You know, w- when you think about the history of Roto Ballers, let's start there. Let's let's go in. Let's explain because you're the founder. Where did the idea for Roto Ballers start? Yeah, to be fair, I'm the co-founder and uh, really a terrific co-founding group, four of us, uh, my brother and two great friends. And so the whole concept came from the love of fantasy sports. It actually started with a pure obsession for fantasy baseball feeling, if I may be honest, that Uncle Leo, my brother at the time, thought, well, I'm just so damn good at this. Uh, I should be imparting some of this knowledge on people. And to his credit, and Alex Roberts, and of course, Jeff Klein, who's our other co-founder, all diehards of the fantasy sports, very analytical minds, people who even before we got deep into the sabermetrics and it was really like out there in all sports, uh, they were those kinds of analysts and, and gamers themselves. So when you have that kind of passion for it, as I'm sure Angle and a lot of people listening understand, sometimes you feel comfortable and great talking about it, even writing about it. We started Rotoballer 
to bring that community together, which is why from day one on the website, we had our you know, industry leading chat. It's free. It's out there. All sports. You can talk about it with people. And so the concept was let's group up. Let's talk about fantasy sports. Let's write articles about it. Let's expand the media presence, which we've really had a terrific uh, opportunity to do um, with great uh, partners like yourself and SiriusXM. And so we're just very blessed that, you know, after this nice run of, I don't know, eight plus years or so, um, we're in a terrific position as one of the top growing companies uh, out there in this industry. And we're really proud of what we've built because all of the listeners, all of the participants, all of the content consumers, and really they're, they're Rotoballer family. We call them Rotoballer Nation, Team Rotoballer. They're out there. Everyone knows it. And uh, they're part of it. Now, before all that, Raf, and I'm doing some stalking of you right now in the LinkedIn sphere. And I also happen, without telling people where I live, I live in the Lincoln Center area, right across the street from John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Now, <laughs> I don't know if criminal justice is a prerequisite for fantasy football, but you know, maybe it's becoming something like that. What was your life like before fantasy and how did you get in to fantasy full time? It's a terrific, uh, interesting path, but realistically, you know, not everyone who comes up, goes to high school, goes to a university for a specific study ends up developing a career path in that sometimes it's just a notch in your belt and you develop skills and take it elsewhere. For me, I always had a passion for psychology, for uh, the human mind and psyche and how that operates. And of course, what type of influences it has on decision making, which comes into play a lot in fantasy. I'm a big proponent of cognitive biases and trying to avoid these types of things when we do our own drafting and our own gaming. So just rolling my love of psychology into an education, which then I realized, you know, I don't want to be part of the criminal justice system. That's not uh, who I am. And I didn't want to kind of grind it out trying to get a PhD. So I took it right to the business world um, where thankfully a lot of different opportunities came my way, some management opportunities. And, you know, ultimately that freed up some time for me as things progressed to work on side projects like Rotoballer with my brother and partners who were very successful in their own right as well. And, you know, you kind of take a little bit from here, a little bit from there. You combine your passion and your back end love of what you're doing all night and on the weekends, which is playing those fantasy games. And you realize all of a sudden that you may have, you know, a business opportunity. And being very honest, we never expected, we weren't the type of people who founded a company to sell it. Uh, there are a lot of people out there in the industry who have different mentalities about that. Uh, we are truly pure fantasy gamers, lovers. We have no exit strategy. We are growing our company every week, every month, every year. And we want to bring more people in. People like Scott Angle weren't here from day one, but they are a huge part of it now. The King, and we love having him as a rotoballer. And we hope that other people understand that that's the type of company and community we are. We want to have more people be a part of it because we take from them as much as they take from us. Listen, the king doesn't get to a throne without putting in some work True. ahead of time. And 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 years, I'm not trying to date you, Scott, or anything like that, but your life before fantasy football, whenever that may have been, what was it like? Well, you know, I grew up in Flushing, Queens, and I still don't live too far from City Field. I grew up wanting to pitch for the Mets, but then when I realized I didn't have that kind of talent, you know, I got into writing and uh, read, just read sports magazines like a ton growing up. And all that reading, I think, you know, developed an acumen for writing. And when I was in high school, I was this huge fanatical Nick fan. 
uh, I went to Thomas Edison High School in Queens. And they told me that the school newspaper was having uh, had some Nick tickets. So I ran down there, spoke to the faculty advisor. She said, you've got to write an article if, you're gonna, if I'm going to give you the tickets. And it was a high school sports editor's press conference for the New York Knicks. And it was a writing contest. And in my first ever article, I won the New York Knicks high school sports writer's writing contest. I said, wow, I, maybe I have something to hear. So I went to college. I graduated with a, with a journalism degree from uh, Long Island University's Brooklyn campus. And then I wanted to be a sports writer. But I always kind of played fantasy-style games growing up. I played a lot of Stratomatic. You know, I would, play, I would play Madden and be fascinated by the rosters. And then uh, I worked at a sporting goods store in Manhattan, Paragon Sporting Goods. And they had a fantasy league. And it was the first time I ever officially played fantasy. And I won the league the very first year. It actually had IDP. And uh, then, then I got a job at CBS Sportsline in the newsroom. But after, after six months, they moved me over to the fantasy department. And that's where I started my fantasy career. I was the first ever writer and editor for CBS Sportsline. And, you know, then I just I built my career from there. I, I always wanted to be a sports writer, but then I... I found my groove when it, when it came to fantasy because I always wanted to dive deeper. And Raph talks about how he likes to look at the, the psychological aspect of it. And that's what I try to do. And that's why we work well together because I just don't crunch the numbers. You know, I get media credentials, things like that. You know, I'm always looking at the intangibles too. So uh, I, I'd have to say it all started with my dad. May, may he rest in peace, uh, Bernard Engel. And glad to represent New York. You know, going to Shea Stadium as a kid, you know, that's where it's all started for me. A lot to unpack here. First of all, Greg, our producer, says in our chat, I bet Scott could have been in the same rotation with Tom Seaver. Greg, come on. That's we we can't that that that's we can't hear that. We'll give him we'll give him Dwight Gooden. We'll give him Dwight Gooden out here. Uh and uh Scott, you know, you mentioned Paragon Sports, which I think is quintessential. New York. I mean, when I think of we can well, Seaver, Seaver, good, my old two two all time favorites. That then, then, then we'll we'll it works both ways. Um, and Seaver did play; he played for the Mets for a while. But Paragon, quintessential New York. Yeah, I, I have jerseys of each one of them. Quintessential New York, Paragon Sports. Um, and and I feel like we can get that centric right now because of our viewers listening and wanting to know if they can stake the New York team. What was Paragon like? Right by Union Square, Chelsea, Garment District, whatever they call that area. What was it like back in the day? Well, I worked there. It was the oldest. It was the, one of the oldest sport. Be careful, Scott, with that answer now. It's one of the oldest sporting goods stores in New York for people in New York City that know it. But I worked in the team sports uh, section because when I wasn't writing, I was working in sports retail. Like you can see behind me, I loved hats. I loved jerseys and stuff like that. So I made sure I got a job in a team sports department when I was in college so I could sell hats, I could sell jerseys and stuff like that. And working in the heart of Manhattan, you never know what celebrity was going to come in, you know, and maybe buy a jersey or a hat. There was one time that LL Cool J came in, and LL didn't want anybody to see his head. So what he did was he went in the dressing room, and he would have me hand different New Era hats over the top to him so he would try them on. But it was just so much fun selling hats and selling jerseys. 
And I did that at other stores, like in Queens and stuff like that. So I was always around sports. If I wasn't writing, I was selling hats and jerseys. Wait, Scott, were you like the celebrity hat guy at Paragon? Like, were, were people coming in and saying, I got to get, I'm the team sports guy, I got to get Scott? For sure they were. Well, no, I don't think people knew me that well yet, but if you wanted a hat, I was the guy to come to because I would tell you what team it was from, what ear it was from, what the different kind of fit was, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, different types of jerseys, jackets. What's the difference between this and this? Do you want something that the players wear on the field? Do you want a replica? You know, uh, if you're buying a fitted fitted hat, you know, versus the you know ones that you know, button up in the back, you know, what's the difference, you know, things like that. Because back then everybody wanted the hat with the starter on the back, but I explained to them, you know, it's, they would, they would see the fitted hats when they first came out and go, is that a starter hat? I'm like, no, starter doesn't make that, you know, that's made by new era, you know, et cetera, you know, or people would look at the, the, who didn't know sports would look at the Brooklyn Dodgers hat and say, is that the Braves? No, no, that's the Brooklyn Dodgers, you know? So things like that, you know, the difference between the Cleveland Indians and the Atlanta Braves, you know, things like that. One more merchandise question for you, Scott, because you have come to the right place being the New York Bodega Cats, because we already know in New York, this merchandise is going to sell. This logo is special. What's your forecast on, on some of the, the way the logo matches up on merchandise? I really liked the logo when it came out. I knew Raph was going to enjoy it, too. You know, I think it's very amusing, but I think it's also very unique. And I also think it's very New York. You know, if you want to represent our fantasy football team around town, you know, it's got a very distinctive look to where people have, in the beginning are going to say, what's that? You know, and then it, then I think it's going to catch on. I think the colors are very New York. You know, uh, it, it's what every it, it's a lot of what you see on the street, I think. We will see every every bodega cashier is going to be wearing a bodega cat's hat by the end of the season. Let's get into some of the actual, the, the, the gameplay, the team, all right? This is the Hall of Fantasy League. This is the first National Fantasy Football League. You guys will have stakeholders. People will have an interest in the New York Bodega Cats. Raph has already admitted the pressure that's going to come with this, but how are you guys going to manage this team together? Raph, what do you think will be the jobs of the two of you? Well, it's not my first rodeo co-managing a fantasy team representing Rotoballer, and I've learned just as in relationships in life, uh, you must uh, develop a good harmonious way to communicate and agree upon things. And once in a while, one person gets their way and other times another. For example, I know Scott Angle is a lover of certain Seattle Seahawks players. So if in the draft, or let's say, for example, you're drafting with someone who likes to prioritize a certain position. You have to give the ability for them to have what they want. But then on the back end, well, perhaps you just want that specific player. So I think Scott would agree, and this is not his first rodeo either. More important to put the cause in front of the person. Uh, we want a good fantasy team. We don't want to have to answer questions about why we drafted players where neither of us can answer. But at the end of the day, uh, we are going to put together a stout competitive squad and we are going to compete and represent new york and rotoballer like the true boss players that scott angle and i surely are now raf there'll be some people in here who really want to contribute to those teams they want the they want to stake a team that the general managers are asking the people who to play each week there are other people who are going to say you guys are the experts here's my money win me more money i don't want to i don't want to mess with this where do you guys lie on that spectrum you know, listen, wisdom of the crowd 
uh, is something that I believe in, right? It's part of cognitive biases, knowing when the well has been poisoned versus when it's wisdom of the crowd. For example, average draft position in the layman's term is a bit of a poisoned well. I won't go into my whole rant, but when you use uh, group rankings of experts or when you take a very large sample size of opinion and give people options to choose, you are generally getting what we call wisdom of the crowd. And so in this case and in all cases in life, when you have a crowd who is giving you data, do not ignore it. You can at least reference it. You should at least take heed. And I believe Scott and I are analytical enough to want that participation and be able to, in harmony, perhaps make some of those decisions with the audience. Scott, Raf has mentioned a lot of words. He's mentioned cognitive, I think, about five different times on this podcast. I heard analytics My a bad. little bit. There's, there's, <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of high-level stuff here. You know, we've talked to different general managers, some who, who say, you know, I'm a blue-collar guy. I'm just I'm managing the team with what I see. We've talked to people that strict, are strict with analytics. How do you think you guys will deal with all of these factors in this fantasy world that we have now, where there's so many different things, variables that you can add, especially on the analytical end? Where do you guys lie? I think it goes for any fantasy sport that I do. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. And, you know, like Raph is alluding to, you know, it's co-owning a team, you got to be comfortable. I can't co-own with everybody that I like or love. You know, so, but I know when I've done, you know, our show on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio with Raph, there's an easy give or take. He knows I'm not going to draft with my heart. If Russell Wilson's on the board in the fifth round and I, we, we need a quarterback, I'm not going to force him to take Russell Wilson. I'm going to give him my reasoning why I like a player. I'm going to give he's, he's going to give me mine, and then we'll, we'll come to an agreement there. But with football, I think you have to be careful. Analytics is pushing big in every sport, you know, especially baseball or whatever. But, you know, to me, the eyeball test has always worked good for me. My core philosophy is, is that in fantasy football, let's just not crunch the numbers. Let's tell you what drives the numbers. So I kind of like to look at football from a scouting perspective. This running back has good vision. He's got good body lean. He, he makes people miss in space. He knows how to make himself short near the goal line. You know, this, you know, this, uh, you know, this receiver is good on jump balls, but then we'll balance each other because, uh, you know, Raph will say, well, you know, I looked at this stat online and this guy was, you know, uh, one of the best in the league in hog rate last year. So we have to take that into account. So it's almost like I look at it like a scout. I do take the numbers into account, but Raph does a rack Raph with all his cognitive areas also, you know, crunches the numbers a lot. A lot of, I heard something about leaning and different, different numbers in there. Uh, you know, Scott, you've mentioned baseball a few times. You mentioned growing up around the corner and flushing. How did, how did fantasy baseball, maybe with both you guys mentioning it and being such a part of Roto Baller, how do baseball and, and football in the fantasy lens uh, convert to each other? They're, they're two totally different fantasy sports. You know, fantasy football is the most popular sport, okay? It, it's more It's mainstream. Everybody can do it. You know, it's it's friendly to the masses. And, of course, there's other people who get deeper into it, you know, and they'll play IDP and they'll play Superflex and they'll play two-quarterback. But baseball's different because you're talking about 30-man rosters. You know, you got to follow what's happening every day. It's much more intense. The average fantasy football player is has to be much more focused 
and dialed in every day and any every minute than the football player, you know, where it's more of a once a week game. You know, baseball baseball players are so so intense. It's it honestly it's it's very popular, but it's not for everybody. Whereas there are so many different levels and ladders of fantasy football that everybody can play. You guys have both mentioned working well together. Scott, I want to hear the story. How did you guys meet? How did you meet Raph? How did I meet Raph? I, I, you know, I met Raph through, uh, actually, you know, coming through Rotoball, I got, to, I got to know him better, you know, because he's one of the co-founders, uh, et cetera. But I actually met Raph because every year they would have uh, parties in New York City for Tout Wars, which is the most popular uh, fantasy baseball competition in the industry for all the experts. And I met him and his family, uh, you know, down at Foley's, which is a very famous sports bar that's no longer in existence. But I really got to know Raph more virtually than anything, like on the air. And, you know, when I came on and co-hosted with him, and it was just such an instant rapport with me. It was almost like, you know, I, like I've known this guy forever. You know, I'm not, I'm not just saying it. We just, we get along so well. It's just, you know, I, I met, I met his family. You know, when, uh, when I was coming on to Rota Bowl, and just so pressed from afar what they were doing, and then you know, let them know that I really like to work with you guys. And you know, once I got in, I got to meet Raf and the rest of the team, and it really came through a business relationship. But you know, to me, Raf's a friend. He's not. He's not a business partner. You know, I didn't think that this could get more New York after the Paragon reference, but Foley's <laughs> definitely definitely brings it brings it full circle. And I'm not saying R.I.P. Foley's because for those of us in New York, I'm still holding out hope that Foley's will be back. It'll be 2. back 0. after the pandemic. Maybe maybe it'll take staking the Bodega Cats. Maybe that's what will save Foley's. If you're out there, Foley's is still active on social media. If you're out there, maybe these are the guys to stake on that ref your connection with Scott, you've mentioned it a little bit. Is everything that he said about the story of you guys meeting true? And how has your bond strengthened to be able to manage this team? Uh, such a romantic uh, story indeed. <laughs> Look, Scott, just for for him being so humble, it, it's, it's adorable. But Scott is kind of a legend in the fantasy sports industry, let's be honest. And if you ever listen to radio or, you know, consume content um, for the last decade plus, you would have known and heard about Scott. So, I was just a uh, little old listener of SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio, and I would be in my uh, office doing some, you know, corporate work and listening online. And every morning, I would listen from basically seven or eight a.m. through probably one or two p.m. And Scott and his team were always that leadoff, uh, very good energy, funny, uh, entertaining. So you get to know someone by proxy because you listen to them on the radio all the time. It feels strange to say that, but you do. But then you meet the person in real life, IRL, as the kids say. And it really was interesting when I got to meet him and some of his co-hosts for the first time. I was just a fan meeting him at trade shows. And over years, you know, I got more comfortable in our position in the industry and uh, more as a contemporary and, and less as that, you know, wow, like this is the guy we listen to on the radio. And Scott nailed it from there. I mean, we didn't work together directly for many years, but when the opportunity arose, um, we were so happy and and you know really wanted to get involved with as much as we can with Scott and I give my brother and Uncle Leo a lot of credit um, developing a really good relationship with Scott outside of Rotoballer and the King is now part of the family more than ever before. I mean he was always going to be friends with us because hey we're all New York Bodega Cats at heart but 
truthfully, um, as Scott said, since we started working together, we did a lot of live shows on SiriusXM together. Um, good people here. Good people. Well, New York, I mean, Sports Talk Radio adds another New York element to this. Before I let you guys go, I got to hear from both of you. Raph, we'll start with you. Why stake the New York Bodega Cats? Well, good question. I'll tell you this much. I will not give you my snake oil uh, uh, pitch. I will just tell you the truth. Um, we are passionate about fantasy sports. We have a long track record of winning this, especially in fantasy football. Uh, and quite frankly, we have all the tools, support, and community wisdom with the help of y'all out there to make those sit-start decisions and win some games and go out there and compete to win a championship here in this league. That is our goal, and we plan on executing. Scott? Well, there are a few reasons. First, I'll give you the serious reason. And then after that, I have a revelation that I was saving for the end of this show. Okay? Um, reason why you should spoke to, uh, stake the New York Bordega Pack Cats is we're New Yorkers just like you. We have the same passion for fantasy football as you. You can not only watch us win, but you're going to learn from us. We're going to explain why we make certain moves. So not only are you going to be staked in the New York Bodega Cats, but you're going to be learning from Rotoballer and us along the way about what we do to make the team win. We're not just going to make a move, and we're also going to listen to you, but we'll say this is why we're making this move. We're going to be working in tune with you guys, the stakeholders, to make sure that we bring a championship to New York City, and we can have a parade down the Canyon of Heroes, the first ever fantasy football parade down the Canyon of Heroes. And I would like to let everybody know that as a New York Met fan, I am very aware of tradition. Mr. Met was the very first mascot ever in professional sports. So I have my own mascot. I want to introduce to you my very own Bodega Cat. <laughs> which I have here. There he is, the Bodega Cat. Like the Knicks it. hat. The Knicks hat might be the most Bodega Cat part about it. Uh, incredible stuff. The, the parade Scott mentioned, everyone will be flooding out of the bodegas, celebrating in the Canyon of Heroes, if you guys are able to do it. Joe Namath, Lawrence Taylor, Eli Manning, Rafra Bay, and Scott Angle. Potentially potentially bringing glory to New York City, the co-general managers of the New York Bodega Cats. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Pleasure, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. The city never sleeps, and these guys will not sleep. If you stake the New York Bodega Cats, you can do that at thehoffl.com. Scott Angle, Rafra Bay, thanks so much to both of them for coming on as they are one of the 10 teams in this league, the first year ever of the Hall of Fantasy League. If you want to follow us on social, it's at the HOF League. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, just hit subscribe. If you want to give us a review, feel free to do that as well wherever you are listening to this podcast. I'm Jeff Eisenman, and this has been the HOFL Pod.